This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the FIFA World Cup. Holy whack-a-moly, the Dallas Cowboys are pretty good. The Perth Wildcats definitely aren't. And Joss Butler makes the best of a horrible ODI series. Oh, another great episode, Shui. Lots of fun. Let's go. It's 2.02 here in the West on Saturday, the 26th of November, 2022. Got my partner in crime, Shui, with me. How are you, mate? Yeah, look, a lot better than last time we recorded. I think when uh, just come off the, the COVID. Yes, I've actually had some sleep now too, so that's yes, good too. Yeah. Yes, no, I think the fatigue's a thing of the past for both of us. Oh, before. good, good. And the yeah. cough? Oh, the cough is gone. No, oh, good. No mere coffee. Oh, dude, that lasted for like a month and a half for me. So that's that's good that you didn't have, yeah. I've got about seven minutes of that. Yeah, well, well so there you go. I got lucky. There you go. Now, of course, before we get into what caught your attention and what you missed, a couple of things at the top here. We've got to, of course, reflect on last week's episode with... NBA Bo, Bo Estes from, well, from many things, but the NBA.com daily top tens and the NBL top tens as well. By the way, did you see last week's that Mitch McCarron around the back? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it was only number three. Shades of the Tony Kukoc save against Philadelphia. I think Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or, no, Jason Tatum actually had one of those as well fairly recently, threw one behind the back against the Lakers. So very nice. You'd think, but yeah. it's... Uh, oh, yeah. but just pinpoint, though. Good, head, yeah. Good heads up, like. Yeah, and a great call. Always a great call. But anyway, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen, hey, because, my goodness, we barely scratched the surface and we talked to him for ages, but we could have talked to him all day, couldn't we? It was just magnificent. Yeah. Just brilliant. And by the way, Shuey, it's given me something for the soundboard. No. So this is all your fault, right, Stuart? <laughs> yes yes quite often it is all my fault so i'll be digging that one up in future in the edits hey chuck that in (laughs) Uh, sensational and it seems like a good time to bring up a correction we can't always get it right can we yeah so in one of our previous episodes we were doing a bit of a recap of the t20 world cup and unfortunately i made reference to mark wood not being able to make the english final team and it turns out that it was actually just due to injury. Thank you for that. Woody, appreciate the uh, the correction. And normally I'd be across that, but I missed the start of that match. So I missed kind of the, yeah, I, I didn't read the recap of that one. I saw bits and pieces and yeah, you know, the T20, I'm not, not as interested in it as I once was. Sometimes sport bloke is an ironic term. <laughs> no, we do our best, but this is our side hustle. We can't always get it right, yeah. can we? So. And can I just say, still, Sam Curran. Oh, brilliant. Still yeah. way better. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Mark, I'm a big fan of Mark Wood too. Yeah, but, uh, player of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what caught your attention? What'd you miss? Well, probably the craziest thing that caught my attention this week is MMA basketball. What? So you put a bunch of beefy guys into the octagon with probably a seven-foot-high ring, and what do you expect? Fucking <laughs> carnage. Absolute <laughs> carnage. Unsurprisingly, ended up with a guy shattering the backboard within about two minutes. And just glass going everywhere. It's every bit as dumb as it sounds, and it's every bit as dumb as MMA, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not a not a fan of those. Sports. Yeah, I don't follow. I mean, I'll watch it, but I don't follow it. Yeah, yeah. I prefer boxing. Oh, don't get me wrong. I respect those guys to hell and back because the stuff they put their bodies through. There's a guy during the week I saw who copped was either an elbow or a knee straight in the middle of the forehead, fractured his skull. Yikes! And he wanted to keep going. Yeah. And his opponent actually pointed it out and the referee had a look and went, oh, nah, mate. Does that almost kill you? Well, if he took another shot there, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, That's uh, almost bloody hell. It yeah. really, really was. Yeah, jeez. Didn't say that one. Now, the other thing I noticed is that blind long jump is a thing. Yes. I, this is another one of these things where I'm absolutely going to hell for laughing at. But I saw a video during the week of a guy doing this thing. And as he's doing his run up, 
he started drifting a little bit to the right and he landed on the side of the pit really, really hard on his tailbone. And obviously being blind as well, you couldn't even brace because he's expecting sand and he's landing on this hard, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, it's just completely, yeah. So, yeah, not a particularly fun landing for that guy. And as I say, like being blind is hard enough, but copping that, even worse. Yikes. Now, we're not going to do NFL this week because there is a lot of stuff to talk about still, but I did want to talk about one very funny thing that I did see from the Thanksgiving games. I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, I only saw the minis of the Thanksgiving games. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, the NFL is both my what caught your attention and what you miss, yes. kind of in a way this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, during the Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game, <laughs> Peyton Hendershot had scored a touchdown to make it 28-13. to 13, And there were four tight ends on at that time for that particular play. And all of them rushed to the back of the end zone. And there's this Salvation Army donation bucket there. Massive thing. The other, yeah, like a replica kind yeah. of. Yeah, giant replica. Like a cauldron almost. Yeah, yeah. And these other three guys jump into the bucket and start bobbing up and down <laughs> like a, a game of whack-a-mole. And Hendershot's standing there with a ball and basically starts pretending he's hitting them with the ball like a hammer. And eventually he uh, he managed to make contact with Jake Ferguson, who sort of threw himself down theatrically. It was absolutely hilarious. One of the, the best celebrations I've ever seen. It was a very good one. And how about them Cowboys, hey? Going all right. Yeah. And then if they get Odell Beckham soon too, like, look out. America's team. I heard Beckham might have been thinking about the Bills as well. Yeah, so the Odell Beckham suitors are, it's basically the who's who of contenders, really. So you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Bills. The Giants are also in the mix. Going back to his old team would be interesting. But then also the Chiefs and Ravens as well. So it's kind of a who's who of many contending teams. Not all of them. There's not Philly there or Minnesota, for example. But not yeah. Yet. Well, yeah. No, no, it's well, apparently he's coming up to a decision soon. So we should know pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. I claimed him off the waivers in fantasy. Oh. Even though he doesn't have a team yet. <laughs> a bit of a desperation move. Because Cooper Cup's got injured. And how's this the Rams, man? They've gone from winning the Super Bowl to being complete shit. Von Miller. They, they did have a few people. Odell Beckham. They did have a few big names leave. It's bound to affect you when you have those guys leaving. But, jeez, it's a big fall from Super Bowl defending champions. I'm just staring blankly at Nath because I, <laughs> I know these words, but together they make no sense to me. Sometimes I feel like this when you talk tennis. So. <laughs> tennis and golf, I guess, yeah. No, and, and comedy. Um, well, I guess that's a perfect segue. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Von Miller. Yeah, enough. yeah. So that's the other big thing, I guess, is is the Bills. Uh, so look, I pick them every year the last few years because they're bloody good and I think they've got a very good chance. And I thought this year they have just as good a chance as any. But Von Miller's injured on top of the Josh Allen injury. And he's still playing and he's still putting up numbers, but he hasn't looked 100% the last couple of weeks. So luckily it's not an ACL for Von Miller. But of course, it's reopened this debate about AstroTurf versus grass as well. And I'm a firm believer that the AstroTurf is just, oh, it's, it's not right. I don't know why you would do This is the thing. If you're going to have AstroTurf in one, it needs to be in all of them. It, it should be a uniform surface. You would have thought so, hey. It's weird, isn't it? But then when you think about cricket, all the grounds are different size. Sport can be really funny sometimes yeah, with inconsistency. Sizes, yes. And I, and I guess you could also make the debate about, well, you've got all these practice pitches down and stuff like that. But there's way more likelihood that you can get injured with the change of direction. If you're slipping and sliding on it, it tears your skin apart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I know and turf toe comes from AstroTurf, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it's it, it's been bubbling around in the in NFL discourse a lot more the last year or so. 
And I guess if these injuries continue to happen, it's only going to continue to happen too. Well, this is it. The guy we spoke about, Odell Beckham Jr., funnily enough. In the Super Bowl. The very first person to sort of tweet out about, hey, we need to get rid of turf. This is dangerous. It's all about the player safety. Yep. And at the end of the day, like these guys are commodities. And if you have big name players like Von Miller going down, what's it going to do to the, the product that they're putting out? And they're going to earn most of their money, generally most of them, unless they get a ridiculous broadcast booth deal or something. Yeah in their playing career, which is a limited window. So they want to maximize their earning potential for those NFL careers are pretty short on average. And this is it. They're getting all of the risk put on them by being the guys playing this game, yep. getting pounded every single week, yep. copying these injuries. And it's like, oh, well, you hurt yourself. Well, oh, sorry. There goes your paycheck. Like, yep. What'd you miss, mate? Well, any surprise here? Freaking New Zealand games, honestly. I <laughs> almost I need to say... Pardon me. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> can't seem to get my head around this. Yet. I, do you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to find out what time they're playing. I think they've got a game this weekend as well, a second game. Just jump on KO, mate. Watch it go back. Yeah, I know, but it's just like they're always on at 4.30. They're always on days when I'm just... I know, in the West here, the 4.30 yeah, games can be tough. They're yeah. just always on days when yeah. I'm super busy at work or I've got something going on at home. And then going back to it's just a nightmare. It can so, be. Yeah, can unfortunately, be. as well as they're playing, we will talk about them a bit in a minute. Just haven't seen them yet. Yes. How about yourself? Well, I didn't see as much NFL as I would have liked over the weekend. As I said, I saw the minis for the Thanksgiving games overnight. I kind of jagged them last night when my girlfriend fell asleep on the couch next to me, like channel surfing, like, ooh, <laughs> all Thanksgiving games, back to back. There's a nice hour and a half right there. So I watched those. I watched the Colts. I stayed up to watch the Colts-Philly game, which we nearly won. We managed to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. A few teams did that this week. You were worried it, did you? Exactly, yes. We'll get there too. But uh, yeah, so that was... There's nothing worse than staying up till 5am to watch your favourite team and think, bloody hell, we've like... This is a big win here. This is a big scalp. And then you lose right at the end. So It takes takes me back to one of the Olympics. I remember staying up stupidly late. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning or something to watch the Boomers play and have a heartbreaking loss. You're not talking about that Spain game. That wasn't no, five. That I was more like 1am, I, I think. It was a Spain game, but yeah. it was a game that we needed to win to, right. to avoid the Americans or something and right. just shit the bed. Yeah. And I just remember getting on Facebook and being like, I can't believe I stayed up till this yeah. hour to watch this crap. Yeah. Going to bed. <laughs> it's tough. So, mate, a bit of NBA to talk about. The league continues to kind of be in this holding pattern. Boston and Milwaukee are still the best teams in the league. And Shay Gilgis Alexander continues to fuck OKC right in the ass. Well, Stewie, I've said this before the season began. Your expectations of that Wembenyama pick were unrealistic. I don't care. Brad Rosen was on my side. Now Bo was on my side too, saying they're too talented to, and they wouldn't. <laughs> Can somebody just injure Shay? Nothing major, just like an ankle. Oh, I don't know. What a weird thought for your own team. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is all your fault, right, Stuart? We've also seen the Nuggets beat Dallas in Dallas without Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon. Jokic was one assist off a triple-double with 75% shooting from the field the other day. He's decent. He is so good. Decent player. Oh, I love watching him play. But that Nuggets-Dallas game, that was probably one of the most random results you will see all season. But we also saw one of the craziest moments of the season. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. <laughs> Let's uh, replay two seconds. <laughs> yeah. So so Doncic hits this three. He's ruled out of bounds during the halftime break. They come back to play the last two seconds before they start the third quarter. Yeah. And what happens? Fucking Kanchar hits like a 52-footer. And you couldn't script it. You couldn't. Yeah. And this is a game that they ended up winning by a point. Yeah. 
So I guess, like, what are your thoughts on them reviewing this? Um, well, it's not unusual for these things to happen. Often a three will become a two during a timeout or something like that. But these things should be checked. But then do you... But where do you do draw you, the line? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this and is... obviously we talked about that. Was it Bloody Hell? Where we talked about that ice hockey game in college. Yep. Choke special. Choke yeah. special. People were starting to celebrate and they had to bring everyone back onto the ice. Yep. So, yeah, where do you draw? It's a really tricky one. And we had the Max Struess incident in the playoffs last year where uh, a play was ruled uh, a no That's right, no yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. Like, what? at what point do you, like, do you go into halftime and check every single play and go, oh, hang on, first play of the game, there was a layup that was a travel or, or he stepped out of bounds before he made his drive to the basket. Like, where do you draw the line? And you have halftime. It's an obvious time to look at stuff, but post-game situation is very different. Like, how long would you take to look at, yeah. at the fourth quarter, for example? Yep. I mean, they're not going to overall the travel. That's not in the in the rules. But, but, the, the, but like, out of bounds and yeah. threes, threes becoming twos or twos becoming threes with wherever a foot is and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Step, stepped on the sideline, stepped on the halfway line. Look, like, there's so many things you could look at. Why just this one? I don't understand. My, my gut probably tells me that if it's not caught on the spot, you kind of have to let it go yeah. because at the end of the game, they're not going to, I mean, I've got no problems with the last two minutes of the game. And I know that, yeah. Okay. The first 46 minutes, there's going to be a lot more of that stuff happening, but I just, I don't, I don't, yeah. like this. I don't like it's that. It's tricky. It's a, it's a tough direction because as you say, the fact that the game ended in a one point loss to Dallas is really, yep. really makes it even more compounded. Exactly. Because yeah. I can guarantee that that was not the only score in the game where something illegal happened. Yeah. Oh, of course. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they've been moving screens and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it is dangerous. Yeah. Now, next we have the Pat Bev. Well, it wasn't so much as a shove as a, was it a shirt front? Like a kind of a bit of a chested up to him. And the, the fact was, though, that it was blind. He, he didn't see it coming. And he's got three games as a result. I've come up with the phrase cheap shove. So it's like a cheap shot and a shove. Yeah, okay. So it's a cheap yeah. shove. But it wasn't with his hands, though. Shoves are normally with your hands. Anyway, well, well, it's semantics. Yeah. It's a dick move. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a cheap shot. It was a cheap shot. There's no doubt anyway, about it. We could that. spend an we hour with a bloody name for it. We could. So head of basketball operations, Joe Dumas, has said that the three-game suspension is, quote, based in part on Beverly's history of unsportsmanlike acts. True. Fair enough. Does he need to say it? Maybe not, but um, I don't know. Maybe he needs to justify it. Yeah, I think I think often, I mean, like in the AFL tribunal, for example, there are points against guys if they've had previous. Uh, so, no, I think that's fair enough. It's all a part of precedent and that sort of, yeah. Like, yeah. And that's it, a part of the decision. And it goes back to the shove that he had on Chris Paul in the playoffs where they were getting smoked. Oh, he's a dirty player. Yeah, and he turns yeah. around and, and shoves him. Cool. I, yeah. I get that. Like, I've got no problems with the suspension. I think three games is absolutely fine. And that's, I mean, that's Pat Beverly. You take the double-edged sword. He's got a lot of mongrel in him. A lot of the that passion and energy provides really good things for teams. We saw what it did to Minnesota last year, for example. But then on the flip side of that, he'll have a help. Things like this will happen. And it's not like they're missing much for the three games anyway. I mean, he's shooting like 32% from the field and 20-something, or well, might be even less. Right. He's shooting right in the 20s. So he's, he's not really been playing that well anyway. But it's nice, I guess, to see somebody stand up. And it's not like Aiton sort of did that much. He kind of taunted Austin Reeves a little bit. So I've got no... He stood over. Blokes don't like people standing over. Yeah. 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 I can understand why he went to defend him. There was no need for Aiton to stand over him. But there was also, ironically... The kind of whatever you want to call it, the action nearly made Aiton fall on top of him anyway, yeah. right? So he kind of made it worse, made it worse. In, a, in, a, in a weird way. So, yeah. Now, I've got a question for you, Nath. Do you think that Pat Bev 
will create a GoFundMe page for the fine. Well, it's not even so much a fine, but he'll lose out on $270,000 in wages. <laughs> will we see that? Uh, well, who knows? Uh, maybe. Done think, it before. Do you think LA's is likely to pay it as Minnesota? Uh, well. Probably not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they really value him as much. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. It is. Really it is. But no, probably the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. So this week, Luka Doncic came out and said that the Boston Celtics, Tatum and Brown were the best duo in the league. And it's something that we'll probably look at in the future. But you wanted to kind of tease it a little bit first. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely one of the things that we want to do is rank them at some stage. We don't probably have the time right now. But one of the things I was sort of looking at, and, and I guess a question I wanted to throw to you, is a duo enough to win a title nowadays? Uh, well, I certainly think that we're moving away from the super teams in in some way. So I think it's better to have two really good guys and a balanced team with a decent bench rather than three really good guys and not much else. The, the reason I asked that, though, is I just kind of wanted to look at the last 10 years. So aside from the, the 2020 Lakers, I mean, obviously they won that basically with LeBron and AD playing at superhuman levels. Yeah. Yes, they had all-star guys in Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo, but they're way past their prime. Oh, yeah, yeah. But aside from them, the Warriors, they've had combinations of Steph, Clay, Draymond, and KD in their last four rings. By the way, did you hear apparently Zach Lowe was kind of questioning whether Draymond was maybe benefiting from playing with these greats and maybe he's not as great? I've said that from the start. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that, but Yusuf Nurkic called him a clown. Like Yusuf Nurkic went went to town on Zach Lowe. Interesting. Yeah. I've always said if you put Draymond Green on the Sacramento Kings, I think he'd be shit. Look at what happened when Clay... Well, the Kings are playing all right at the moment. They are now, yeah. But look what happened when Clay and Steph were out. He had a terrible season. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he'll never be a team's best player, hmm. but he's a really important guy to win a championship. He, he's he's a... like Robert Ory, very different player yeah. to Robert Ory, but one of those guys that... that uh, I think he's in my mind because we're doing a 1992 yeah. redraft after this, so keep an eye out for that episode next week. But, yeah. I, I just don't think that he's as good if he's not surrounded by guys of the ilk of Curry and Thompson... Well, not so much now, but you know, Thompson a few years ago before the injuries when he was an, an absolute elite shooter. I, I don't know. I, Counterpoint, I'm... if he doesn't punch LeBron in the balls and get suspended, they win that championship. So that shows how important he was to that team. Possibly. Oh, they do. We'll never know, though. Yeah, we'll I, think never... they, I think they do. I think you're right, but yeah. we'll never know. But yes. Yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, he's a Hall of Famer, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. But he's a, he's a situational Hall of Famer. Yeah, well... Is if you put Robert Ory on the Dallas Mavericks in the, the mid nineties instead of the Houston Rockets? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Is is he the same guy? We don't know. Like it's so much. Of yeah, well, we just, don't. There's yeah. a lot of what if. It's life is what ifs. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, it's it's one of those things. And, and going back to some of these other teams as well, the Bucks had Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday. The Raptors had Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, and Pascal Siakam. Cavs, LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. The Heat had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. All of these teams had three guys that were all-star level players. Is two going to be enough? I don't know. I mean, Marcus Smart's nearly there. I, I think two with a good bench and and good role players is enough. I do. Yeah. And, and look, we won't know until June. Yeah. No. But at this stage, it's it's an interesting thing saying, oh, they're the best duo. Okay. Is that enough? Yeah. No, it is an interesting question. Who knows? It is. A couple of other things that caught my attention during this week. Obviously, Ben Simmons went back to Philly. Now, they didn't have their stars playing, but he played all right. He's starting to look a bit yeah. better the so, last couple of so games. he was expecting louder boos. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you see? So during the TNT broadcast, Charles Barkley said he's wearing that big old jacket because he's got a bulletproof vest. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to talk about quickly was Lee Ellis. So 
obviously we talked to NBA Bo. I think I've said that enough times in this episode already, but in that kind of NBA.com family, we had Lee Ellis, who the kind of a shining light for Australian broadcasters getting over there in the NBA. I massively miss the starters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, you're a big fan. We've got some other mates. Yeah. That would watch it. Just watch that. Now he just picked up and, and left and really gutsy move. So he's basically going on this world tour to just play pickup basketball all around the world. Yep. And it's, it seems like he's still trying to work out how to monetize it, which is crazy. And I, I, I think he probably could monetize it. I don't know. I don't know how much prep he put in beforehand. Anyway, but a couple of quotes I wanted to mention from a Ben Golliver Washington Post article. So talking about pickup basketball in general, I really like this quote. You can go from being a stranger to a teammate in two seconds, which is so true about pickup ball. We've all done it. We've all gone down to the gym or the park or joined in in a three-on-three three or a four-on-four, four, whatever it might be. But it's really cool. So on this uh, little trip, he's had dinner with Sasha Doncic, the dad of Luca. He's met uh, Baserka Petrovic, the mother of Drazen Petrovic. So he's done all these cool things already. Um, but but what I wanted to mention, a couple of quotes here from the article. I'm not afraid of failing at this project. I'm more afraid of sitting in the same job in 10 years, wishing that I had done this. Travel is the best life experience. You and I can both attest to that. Yep. You can't teach traveling. You can only learn. Every time you wake up, you can say that you did something for the first time. So really gutsy move, hats off to him. A couple of other things, kind of, I think one of the inspirations for leaving, he was getting a bit sick of the grind. And it, I mean, there's a lot of games and you've got to be across a lot. It would be tough. But he said, Anthony Davis can only ever play for two weeks at a time. James Harden wanted respect for giving back $7 million in free agency. Kevin Durant said to fire everyone in Brooklyn. These sorts of guys don't inspire me anymore. Maybe that's an age thing. When you're a kid, you look up to these guys as heroes. Now you look at them and you go, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? The NBA season just doesn't have the same spark. And look, we probably can relate to that a little bit sometimes. Yep. My dislike of James Harden is uh, well documented on our and, show. And mine of Kevin Durant. And I'm not a massive fan of what Kevin Durant's latter career has been as well uh, off court. His on court stuff is amazing. But the AD. So look, we must be in that two week uh, window that Lee Ellis was talking about. Listen to Anthony Davis's last five games. 37, 21 and five blocks on 64% shooting. 30, 18 and three steals on 63% shooting. 38, 16 and four blocks on 62% shooting. 37 and 18 on 60% shooting. And then 25, 15 and four with three blocks today against my Spurs on 10 of 13 shooting. He is in a purple patch. MVD. Just a lot of great storylines. I mean, Utah still playing really well. Heard a really, really great stat on throwback hoops where they were saying 12 and 8 Utah Jazz, no team with 12 wins in their first 20s ever missed the playoffs. Yeah, right. Awesome. Danny Ainge. <laughs> Shout out to the boys there. Great stat. Love Always. That. Yep. But, you know, Sacramento, we've spoken about already. You mentioned like they're playing out of their skin. They're one of the best teams in the league right now. Like They're finally putting it together. Yeah. yeah. Who would have seen this sort of stuff coming? So there, there are still a lot of great storylines. But that can't be every single game like, oh, Sacramento has just caught that team on yeah. a back-to-back or yeah. that team's had to fly from here to here. Like It can't be every single game. No, I, I agree with there that. There has to be a fair element of, of skill just as much as there is an element of luck. So I, I think you've just got to find that balance. And the teams that do, whether it be luck with scheduling, luck with injuries, luck with whatever it happens to be, those are the teams that will end up on top. Well put. So, Nath, just really quickly, very cool to see Dwight Howard finally getting some time. It, it was probably more so hoping to be in America, but he's doing really well in Taiwan. DeMarcus Cousins has just joined him. 
Yeah, so yeah. That's going to be interesting. He should dominate. Oh, there. the NBL, we're wishing we had a big enough salary cap to attract some of these guys in Lake yeah. Korea because it would be a dream, wouldn't it? But, we'll, I mean, we'll look at them down the track, obviously, if they keep playing. Let them play a few more yeah, games. Yeah, Big games, we'll keep doing that. Did I have to take like 10 threes or something? That worries me. Yeah, me too. Two out of 10 is not yeah, great. Yeah. Not great. But a couple of quick stats. So Joel Embiid obviously went through a big purple patch before he got injured. Yes. 133 points, 32 rebounds, 22 assists, and 12 blocks in a three-game stretch. Pretty good. Will probably had that in a two-game stretch a number of times. Yeah, oh, he would have. Yeah. But yeah. this is what it is. Oh, no, it's fantastic. And I saw a really cool graphic on Twitter that showed the top nine seeds in the Western Conference at the start of today's games. I haven't seen if anyone's moved. They have a combined zero championships in the last 45 years. Pretty crazy. Goes to show when the Lakers are struggling. <laughs> and this well, the Spurs, the Spurs, yep. The Heat. There's there have well, been a well the Heat aren't in the West, so oh sorry, no, but I'm thinking of teams that have kind of dominated the championship yeah. landscape over the last 20 years. I mean the Heat aren't even really doing not, that well. No, at the moment, no, so. well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's probably only really the Celtics and the Bucks. Yeah. There yep. you go. Yep. The Sport Blokes are proud to announce a very special live event coming in the new year. Full Court Fitness and the Backlot Perth. Proudly present NBL Podcasts Live. Nathan Stewie will be joining the NBL Pocket Podcasters and superfan Nick Tan, and you should too. Come watch the Perth versus Tasmania game on the big screen and then stay for a live recording of the collaborative podcast. Wildcats member? Never fear. It's an away game, so you can join us too. So whether you're a Perthling or you're in the area on January 29, what are you waiting for? There are very limited seats available, so check out the link in the description Grab a ticket while you still can. So, now we've got a bit to talk about in the NBL. Before we get to the James Duncan firing, I just wanted to mention something that I noticed before the throwdown. Did you see the Phoenix coming out of their locker room by any chance before that game? Oh, I don't recall. No, I don't think I don't think I saw the start of that. They came out wearing their basically their, just their standard sort of warm up jerseys over the top, but the Phoenix logo was completely rainbow. Oh, nice. Okay. What a great touch. After Isaac Humphreys. Yeah, really nice. Good. Good. And Humphreys noticed it, not surprisingly, and gave the big thumbs up. Nice. And like, nice. What a, an amazing touch. What a classy touch by the Phoenix organization. I just wanted to really give them a shout out. Yeah, is, no, absolutely. Good call. That's a yeah. really, really great thing to do. And like you said, I think it's only a matter of time that we have a pride round in the NBL oh, and have to. particular jerseys and all that sort of thing. Imagine how awesome. You can't all be rainbow though, because, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> which team is <laughs> the ball? Out of bounds, rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How awesome will the jerseys be, man? They oh, so good. Colourful jerseys. Like I've always said, the early 1990s Denver Nuggets jerseys with that, yes, that yeah, yeah. sort of, yeah, and the skyline of the city. Like, yeah, it just looks, yeah. that to me is my favorite jersey of all time. And they've come back to it a little bit, haven't they? they have. but, yeah, 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 great times. So, James Duncan, as you said, out as Brisbane coach, it's a real head scratcher. The, what's going What is going on in Brisbane? It's a re, it's really weird. Like, like, first, they get rid of Devondrick Walker and then have the feeble window to replace him, have a week off. Perfect time. Everyone's going, oh, yeah, okay, makes sense. That's the time you cut someone. And then they haven't replaced him. Why mm. wouldn't you have him playing until until you have someone else lined up? And now they, now, apparently it's mutual. These things, mm. there's no sackings anymore in sport. Is it? It's always mutual nowadays. Like everything's mutual. I don't know. I, I find it all a bit weird. I don't know why you wouldn't have just stuck with him. Because now Sam McKinnon, who's the GM, mm. moves on to the coach's seat. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Because the thing is, like, okay, I've never been a huge fan of Duncan as a coach. I don't think he's amazing. 13 and 24 record. But how much of that is his fault? 
Yeah, well, no pure point guard. It's something that I've gone on about since day one. And I'm not the only one. Plenty of people have. That's that's the big issue for me, yep. one of. Yeah. That, that is the biggest one for me as well. But so you got stuck with Lamar Patterson, who looked like he didn't give a fuck yes. at all last yeah, season. Yeah. Yep. He's had, you know, Aaron Baines is still coming off an injury, let's be honest. On minutes restrictions, yeah, yep. You've got Nathan Sobey, who was injured for a good chunk of last season as well. You've got Tyler, Who's had his problems this season too. Yep, Tyler Johnson doesn't look like he wants to be there. So there's a lot of stuff going on that's completely outside of his control. And if you look at the way those rosters have been constructed the last couple of seasons, I mean, not many people could have done much better, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they had really high hopes because of Aaron Baines heading into this season, but one man does not make us a team. Exactly. If this Unless... Was- you're Dwight Howard in Taiwan. Well, <laughs> the thing is, like, if this was Aaron Baines circa, I don't know, 2016, 2017, absolutely. He would probably dominate. He'd probably score 40 and have 20 rebounds a game. Well, does anyone do that in the no, NBA? No, you know what I mean? Obviously, it's an exaggeration. And, and you need a good point guard to get him the ball, too. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great. As I say, I, I really feel like he was just a scapegoat for poor roster construction. And unfortunately, he has to fall on his sword. And let's see what Sam McKinnon can do. Yeah, well, he's done a pop. He's gone from the front office to the bench. It's often the other way. People go from the bench to the front office. But he's done a pop. So we'll see how he goes with no pure point guard. Do you remember the Perth Entertainment Centre days when Southeast Melbourne would come in and they couldn't fit his name on there and he would be McKinno? McKinno, yeah. 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 There'd be McKinno and Dr. Mick. Dr. Mick. Frank Trimmick. Well, there were so many guys that just have the ends of their names come up. Sorry, just a Vander random. Put. Random. Well, <laughs> that, that was... That was, that was <laughs> Do you remember we were at a game once when a guy tried to heckle him? Clearly was a casual fan. He was like, put one Vander Put. And then his friend like kind of whispers in his ear, put him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Vander put back. Bless. I think he would have been like VD put. No, it was Van. Oh, maybe. I remember it being or Van. Anyway, too much of a yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's gone back a long way, a what, long way. What a side trip. We got a photo with him when we were about twelve at one Wildcats event. Yeah, I remember to his knee. I think yeah. <laughs> that was a tall dude. It sure was. That was a tall dude. Oh, good times. Anyway, so we're trying to talk in broad themes. Things move very quickly. There'll be a game a couple of hours after we record today, of course. We do want to highlight a couple of things, though. Like we talked about at the top, Illawarra snatching defeat from the jaws of victory against Sydney. Sean Bruce with, well, nearly KD feet. Bit of controversy there, but the three counted and they got the win. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't really ask for a better finish to a game. Certainly there was a lot of stuff that led up to that that you would look at Illawarra and go... They choked. Yeah, okay. That I, was- I watched the second half. I didn't see the whole game. I saw the second half. They choked. Yeah. I was trying to dance around that. No, but yes, they did. Absolutely they did. is a choke. You will not get a better chance to beat Sydney in Sydney. And I mean, wasting a career night from Tyler Harvey. Shot the lights out. He was shooting the floater. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, mixing it up. Yeah. And look what you get. Tim Conrad. Tim Conrad, yeah. Breaking two free throws. One would have been enough. Yeah. I mean, look, he's a guy that you would expect to hit at least one out of two. Certainly been a very good shooter for a long time in the league, but any professional player should hit one of two. Should. But the pressure. Pressure gets to you. It's huge. It, it, yeah. it really yeah. does. Hungry Jacks. Although having said that, he hit two all of what? Seven oh, seconds? Oh, well, that's right. Seven seconds earlier in the game. That's so... right. And he didn't play terribly. Like he, he did his part mm. as a role player. But obviously, yeah, he, he misses two. And I suppose if you want to talk about the other things that are fortunate with that, I mean, just before the three-point shot that Bruce hit, he had his layup absolutely smashed by Will Hickey. 
could have been a tie game and instead yeah that so that was really interesting wasn't it so sean bruce played really well down the stretch he got a really quick two on a layup earlier than that which kept them in the game it was really important illawarra were looking for a three and they they should have known that they might have taken a cheap layup you've always got to defend the rim it doesn't matter what you know unless it's one second left and they need a three but good misdirection Yes, yeah, yeah, no, it was a, it was a lovely little, yeah, lovely little drive, good, quick layout. And you're right, when that block happened, I thought, geez, they've got enough time here. They might regret that. Yeah, it was really weird, wasn't it? Yeah, and the proof's in the pudding. It is. And and look, obviously, there's been a lot of stuff on social media. Was the foot on the line? Was it not? I was very much of the school that it was right at the start. Geez, it was close. I've seen another photo that makes it look like it wasn't. And it's just, it's hard to know without seeing that footage move because where his foot is then has the ball already left i don't know and obviously we'll never know but geez it was a quick review wasn't it it was a very quick for end of game considering sometimes they take minutes to look at inane shit yeah it it did you could be forgiven for being a bit pissed off as an illawarra fan even okay go through four minutes of replays and then give sydney the win i'd feel better than i don't know it felt like a really quick review to me it did. And look, full credit to Sean Bruce. He steps up, he hits a big shot. Sydney had shot the ball terribly from outside. There were seven of 32 from deep up to that point. It's a big shot. Big shot, Bruce. Big shot. <laughs> big shot. Well, big play, Bruce. I mean, yeah, 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 the yeah. assist yeah. on the quiet noy. Yep. Speaking of quiet noy, though, I did want to talk about something that really hasn't been mentioned in the media. So obviously, as I said, everyone's talked about, is it a two, is it a three, whatever. One of the things that no one's talking about, though, is the Kawat Noi illegal screen before that. Oh, I don't recall it. And that's because no one's talking about it. So... I think we might need to go to the third umpire against Chewy. Yeah, okay. Okay. Make your case. I, I, look, I don't know whether I'm being a little bit sort of... Anti-Sydney. Anti-Sydney. <laughs> it's, quite, <laughs> it's quite possible. But for me, it looked like on the brush screen that Noi was still well and truly moving. And it bought maybe two tenths of a second on one Iswakula bullet getting out to that shot to contest. That's the difference between him getting a hand on it and Bruce getting not a wide open look, but certainly getting a shot off. Maybe look, I think he was moving and it was a bit of a shoulder bump, but pretty into I'm I'm okay to let that one go. I think. It wasn't as bad as the Clay Thompson. <laughs> oh, no, nowhere near as from bad last as that. Although a couple of weeks ago, yeah. yeah. Said, and look, this is more so just, it's an interesting talking point that, some of those things kind of get missed in the the whole wash of what's just happened. But I was sort of watching, I thought Noi was not still at yeah, all. Yeah, no, streamer. you're right. Technically it's there, yeah. but I don't know if uh, it's a bit nickel dimey. Oh, nickel dimey. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Look, as I said, it wasn't blatant, but I think it was there. Anyway, whatever. Sydney win. You can't really Well, and that's the thing, yeah. right? Illawarra choked. Yes. So if if they do their job, they're not even in that situation. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So as a Hawks fan and player, and you do feel for them because they've had a shitty season and, oh, there's been rumours of them moving, but no, we're definitely not moving. And they released this great big press release to say, no, we're definitely staying. We're a foundation club. And so, look, it's not a great time there. And, and you do feel for them. Yeah. And none, but, of, none of the Illawarra fans on Twitter were saying anything other than we choked. We should. Oh, uh, actually. <laughs> well, okay. None, okay. none of the ones I saw. Nah, were... there were plenty that thought the foot was on the line. And look, they can be forgiven. They really can. It's not like they would have beaten him in overtime anyway. Sydney would have won it in overtime, I reckon. Probably. So, yeah. so like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, inconsequential. Defend the ball better. Yes. And hit your free throws. Yes. Yeah. Now, look, we're conscious of not being too much the Perth show. <laughs> so we don't want to go too hard on the Wildcats. But, geez, as you've written here, Perth stink in pink. 
It's pretty well put. Not <laughs> not a good. <laughs> it sounds so wrong, doesn't it? Not a good show up for the special pink breast cancer awareness game. But yeah, not a good game against Adelaide, who, by the way, look better without Randall, don't they? Oh, much better. They're much playing better. like a team. <laughs> yeah. So I was at the game on Thursday night. I I didn't have a great feeling walking into it. Something about Adelaide, you know, Daniel Johnson being in RAC plays. I think there was a hundred mentions of that on the actual broadcast, which I, I didn't hear. But yes, no, they always do. So and he does, he does, he hmm. kills us. He's a WA boy from Geraldton, I believe. I ran the figures. Remember? A while yeah, ago, well, that's right. He did too. He was about 4, yeah, four percent higher above his his career. <laughs> Interaction with NBL facts about it. What's NBL facts? Is NBL facts okay? Gotta send out a missing persons for NBL facts. Might be on holiday. Hard to know. Well, I've barely seen them this season. Yeah, we, we miss you, NBL facts. We hope you're okay. Mm, come back. Yeah. Making this show harder for us. <laughs> <laughs> we actually got to do some research. You would do. <laughs> now, the attendance of the game was marked at just shy of ten and a half thousand. I don't actually know if I believe that. There were huge patches right throughout the game, right. just empty. Right. The place felt half empty. There was basically no atmosphere through most of the game. Thursday night games are tough. They are. I absolutely despise them. And I think them and the Monday night games need to go. Well, it's tricky because I think it's a part of the ESPN broadcast deal. Mm. So there's a bit of give and take with the league and the broadcasters. It it is a tricky situation. You're right. Maybe maybe we only want one rather than both. I can understand the Monday because obviously in America, that's the Sunday. So that makes sense. If they're broadcasting it to America, I get it. But yeah, they're, they're not great games. They're, you're struggling to get the fans in. And as I say, we're we're seeing a really average product out of Perth as well, which is not something that we're used to. No. Fans are kind of staying away a little bit more than than what we're seeing we're used to seeing. I mean, usually it's 13,000 plus. So yeah, not pretty. But I tell you what, it's just it's the same stuff that we were talking about last season. First quarter, hideous. Defense. Hideous. Travis has got to play in the first quarter and they've got to run more. Well, I'll talk- And I, look, I know Travis isn't playing spectacularly well, but you need to do something different with him. Mm. Maybe get him in the starting lineup, get him running the floor. And look, Jesse Wagstaff's great and he does a lot of good things, but Ollie Hayes-Brown's got to get more time too. Oh, yeah. They've got to move away. I, I think maybe Jesse needs to have a few less minutes to try and get... Because Hayes-Brown, he brings energy. Yeah. And oh, he- I've been saying that for, for months now. Yeah. Two, he played well in the preseason. Two points and a rebound in a minute 30. Yeah, exactly. So, it was garbage time, but still, yeah. Still got to put him up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. As I say, like, just going back to the defense for a second, like, I don't know. You, you watched the game, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think was the worst of the three? Pick and roll defense, interior defense, or transition? Definitely interior. We gave away so many layups. So many layups. So 52 and 60 points in the paint the last two games against Adelaide. That's outrageous. Isn't it outrageous? That is. That's just, well, it's inexcusable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we're currently sitting last in defensive rating. This team does not play defense. And we can't rebound either. Smashed on the boards. Yeah. Plus 11 to Adelaide. Yep. There's concerns all over the floor right now. I mean, if I run through a couple of players, Todd Blanchfield. So predictable in his movement. Every time he gets in the lane, he's spinning back to his right hand for and that shooting little, that one that little flirt. And yeah. what happened? Mitch McCarron, I think, blocked it. So can't do anything. Tayshon Thomas, I love the guy. I love him to death. He does not protect the rim. There's no, not a great deal. Yeah, nothing out of his, yeah. his passive offensively as well. There's one play. Okay, so he got blocked by the rim in the last game. At yeah. least we won that one. But, and he's he is stuffing the stat sheet. But yeah, he's yeah. But I'll give you one example. So. All right, Robert Franks has two fouls very early in the game. They run a pick and roll. 
Bryce Cotton finds Thomas basically rolling to the basket. It's only Frank's sort of rolling off from the corner. What do you do? You go up and dunk the ball. Instead, he panics, throws the ball out to Travis, who misses a throw. Mm. It's like that's the sort of stuff where we need yeah. you to dunk the ball. Well, we got to you got to attack the rim. Perth is shooting a lot of threes. It's a big part of the offense, yeah. and we uh, we missed a lot. We did a lot. And this is what I've always said. Like, there's no problem relying on the three point shot a bit, but you've got to be able to adapt. I'm a big fan of working inside out. And by the way, one thing that I noticed from our chat with Bo when I was doing some of the editing was he was talking about Brady's back down game. Yep. Brady never plays out of the post. You've just got to mix it up a bit. Like one of the things I remember saying about Clint Steindl back in the day, he was really predictable initially because all he did was shoot threes. And when he started to become a really good piece for the Wildcats was when he started to mix it up, keep the defenders thinking and taking it to the rack. You can't just, and look, Maddox is a very good shooter and he's shooting about 40% from the three. You'll take that. But mix it up. Get him down low every now and then. Well, he was one of six in that game. Yeah, he didn't that's, have a... Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. That, that's the time at one of four to start going, right, yeah. let's get inside and start yeah. getting something a bit different. So, but yeah, again, no issues with that. I mean, he had a couple of good games. He's going to have bad games interspersed there. It's going to happen. Yeah. Corey Webster, bit of an issue there. He is far too selfish. Uh, I've Everything I said when we signed him is true. Yeah. Like everything I said. He, he's never met a shot he didn't like. And the odd times he does pass the ball, he doesn't protect it. And it's often a turnover. Yep. And he threw two really flat cross-court passes. I and think they were both picked off. But what's worse about that was that he didn't hustle back. Yeah. He, he was getting beaten down the court by the offensive players. So I, I'm with you on that. Massive defensive liability. Gives up too many points. Well, it gives up more than he gets, I think. Yeah. When you include the turnovers too. Yeah. And look, I want to talk about Travis. There are a couple of things from that game that really concern me. And look, it could just be that he's one of these guys that is more suited to the NBA game than the NBL game. Weirdly, I've been thinking that. He almost needs to go to the G League where it's more up and down, it's more athletic. And Bo kind of alluded to that too. Oh, by the way, we still have more stuff from Bo. Not everything we discussed was in last week's episode. So like we'll do for the next draft, we got some some draft um, opinions from him too, which we'll use in our next draft episode. That's going to be some time away. Uh, but yeah, we talked about Travis a bit there too. Yeah, but, but I, th- I think going back to what you were sort of saying about the G League, the fact that it's a man-to-man, it's not zone defense is the way that... They, basically, they can just pack it in and go, right, Luke... Shoot two of five. Well, look at what Mojave King's doing over there. Yeah. He's dominating. Exactly. And, he was like, and I think Travis could do the same. He's a bucket of shit here. Yeah. But like looking at what he sort of did there, he's meant to be a top-level defender. He can't keep guys in front of him. He got burned by Anthony Drimmick. Anthony Drimmick, I've seen faster glaciers. <laughs> Seriously. Have you ever actually seen a glacier? Yes. <laughs> no follow-up. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> I think I saw one once, but it had like a fake moustache on, so I'm not entirely sure. Anyway. The, the, Galatio uh, Llamas. M- M- yeah, Milt Galatio. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the bottom line is he's supposed to be a top-level defender. He's not keeping guys in front of him. His ball handling is suspect against defensive guards, so Mitch McCarron really gave him a lot of issues when he was bringing the ball up. Three-point shot we've spoken about. There's just there's a lot of issues for me. All across this team. His form's looking better on the three-point shot, I thought, but it's still not the percentages still aren't great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of issues in Perth right now. I I don't know what the answers are aside from basically mixing up the imports and you know Travis in the starting lineup. Well, yes. I mean you could you And could pray at... for Bryce's citizenship. Oh Christ. 
Get Plumley back. Uh, yeah, well, he he messaged Damo. You're at the game. You wouldn't have seen this. No, he messaged Damo during the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Said I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah. Here. He's playing in like Division Three. Let me block C shots. grade in Surface Paradise. Honestly, let him yeah. block shots, rebound the ball. Well, um, he's married an Aussie, yeah. so he's always engaged to an Aussie. So he's staying here. Mm. Yeah, get him back. All we need. Get Any, him back. Anyway, enough about Perth. Yes, yeah. We didn't want to be the Perth show, but a lot of Schadenfreude there for the uh, other fans yes. that like hearing us lament the yeah. 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 So finally on the run here, we've got Cairns and New Zealand. New Zealand still dominating. I didn't see this game. <laughs> I've seen the highlights. I didn't see no. much. I, I saw bits and pieces alive. I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. It's It just comes down to this is the only team that seems to be getting consistent, solid performances out of all three of their imports. Look at the numbers in this. Brantley goes for 20 and 7. Brown Jr., 20 and 6 off the bench. Pardon, 15 and 11. Pardon is so solid. He's just a good lunch pale guy, no nonsense, big fan. And so yeah. seems like a good guy. Yeah. You know, there was in that game, he barreled into Keanu Pinder and first guy in there trying to pick him up because it was completely unintended. So yeah, it just seems like a really good guy. But you're right. When you nail your imports, it makes the world of difference. And that's how a team can go from being shit. And look, it didn't help that they were traveling the whole they're road warriors this season. But you know your imports, you, you can almost guarantee a top four finish. You can. And yeah. they're starting to get much better performances out of Will McDowell-White. Isaiah Liafa shot the ball really well. I mean, this was a one-point game with four minutes left. Liafa hits a really big three off a, a second chance. Uh, I think he managed to put in a crazy floater as a shot clock was going off like a minute later. So he hit some big shots. So they're getting good stuff out of, I guess, those guys. Oh, they clamped down completely. I wish I'd taken note. I did see the the how much they outscored them down the stretch, but they just dominated them down the stretch. Mm. Absolutely clamped down. One thing I did want to bring up, though, about New Zealand that does... It's, and look, it may not be entirely just this game, but kind of worries me a little bit. And it's something that I used to always talk about with Illawarra, where it's just worried about their bench. Oh, yeah, okay. So in this game, outside of Brown, so Brown obviously had a great game, as we said, 20 points, six rebounds, a couple of steals, all that sort of stuff. Front runner for sixth man of the year. Absolutely. Like home and host already. Outside of him, though, the rest of the bench combined, zero points on zero of two shooting, one rebound, no assists, no steals, no blocks in a combined 12 minutes, 13 of playing time. Wow. A lot of teams only played one game on the weekend. But yeah, well. Doesn't, doesn't that concern you? <laughs> So if well, one of these big guys goes down, who's the next man up? Yeah. It's Cam Glidden. It's Tom Vodanovic. Yeah. These are guys that are just not doing anything. And, and I, I worry if there's a big injury to a pardon, uh, you know, one of these big guys, like, fuck, what happens? I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. like I say, you're putting a lot of pressure on Rob Lowe to, to really carry the weight yeah. then. Yeah. Or Thomas Abercrombie, who we've said is like, what, 87 years old? Well, and he's, he's more of a, a swing man anyway. Yeah. More of a perimeter player. You don't want him to be having to put up 20 points. No, no. That's no. for sure. You can't rely on him at that age, yeah. But obviously, look, it's great to see New Zealand playing well. It's great to see Cairns as well. I mean, like, DJ Hogue was one of nine in that game. It's the first really, really bad game that he's had since he came to Australia, basically, and he's the backbone of a lot of what they do. So, And again, nailed their imports too. Yeah. Makes so a big difference. There's going to be games, though, where they're going to be down, they're not going to play well, and as I said, they were still in this game with four minutes left. If they all of a sudden catch fire for a couple of minutes, they probably win that game. So, yeah, look, great to see. As much as it pains me seeing Perth being so shit, I'm enjoying the state of the league right now. And if you did do that bet at the start of the season, Taipans above seven wins, well, they only need one more win and they've still got 18 games left. 
So well, sorry. So probably yeah. an outside chance, <laughs> you would think. So, Shui, Soccer World Cup is on in full swing now. I'm not a massive soccer fan or football fan. That's pretty clear from those that listen, but I have been watching and I have been paying attention and it's kept my interest. It's the time when I follow soccer the most. I've managed to watch probably at least half an hour every day, if not more. I stayed up again. My sleeping pattern's just shot since, <laughs> since oh. we talked to Bo, but I've been on leave so I can, can do what I like. But I stayed up for that Australia-France game. I don't know if you saw much no. of that or... Yeah, no, geez, it started well. I have kids and I'm working. No, no, that's why I said much of that. I wasn't assuming you stayed no, up to I, watch it live because no. it started at 3 a.m. or something, didn't it? Yeah. Or, no, it was 1 a.m. I think. wasn't even going to consider that one. Yeah. And look, it started well. We scored in, what, the 11th or 12th minute to go up 1-0 and then it was all downhill from there. Yeah. A funny little stat about that, actually. Oh, yeah, okay. So the Socceroos, as you mentioned, get off to that great start and then they lose 4-1. In the process, they joined the Fremantle Dockers as the only Australian football team in the last 50 years to lead at the quarter point of a match and then have their score quadrupled. <laughs> Where do you this fucking weird stuff? Uh, somewhere <laughs> online. So Fremantle led Geelong 20-11 to 11 at quarter time of the Round 22 clash in 2018, and then Geelong outscored them 23 goals 9 to 0 goals 5 the rest of the game in a 158-25 to 25 smashing. So there you go. There you go. Not yeah, great. We've got footy into the soccer. Yes. <laughs> That's a, such a weird Isn't stat. it such a random stat? <laughs> but there's been some other upsets. Saudi Arabia over Argentina. Now, some people are saying that Argentina did that on purpose to avoid Brazil, who now have injury problems with Neymar. I wanted to discuss that with you because for me, that seems like a really dangerous way to play it. Do we, yeah, it in is. the first game. Well, I don't believe that's the case. Oh, look, I don't necessarily believe it either, but like, if you're going to do that, You've got two other teams in Mexico and Poland who aren't exactly teams that are going to roll over against you. Like They're going to play you hard. So you're now risking even making it. When I heard the stats on PTI the other week, I can't remember them exactly, but it was something like if you lose your first match, you only have like a 25% chance of getting through to the next stages. It's big. Yeah, it, it's, it's really huge. It's big. Like they yeah. actually they need to win these games because you would expect that Mexico and Poland probably will beat Saudi Arabia. So they're probably both going to finish on four points which all of a sudden then puts a little bit of pressure on them. They have to beat Mexico and Poland now, the, the Argentinians, to get through, you would think. Which is, It sets up some exciting matches. Well, it, it does. Yeah. It makes them all live, which is is very, very big. So, yeah, a, a huge result. I don't know if you saw any of the videos going around. There was a lot of stuff coming out of Saudi Arabia, people running outside after the second goal, you know, firing semi-automatic guns into Bloody the hell. air. No, I, I saw one guy ripped his own front door off. Oh, I did see that one on Twitter, yes. Yeah. <laughs> threw it outside. <laughs> It's going on over there. But look, it's excitement. I don't think anyone was expecting Saudi Arabia. Not even the, the Saudi Arabian team were probably the only team that actually thought that they would win this game. The fans wouldn't have. Yeah. 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 That would be like us expecting to beat France. And then did you see that video I retweeted of that guy after Wales lost to Iran? The guy in the gym that had no idea what it meant? Or... No, the guy that said that it's like Iran's biggest sporting achievement since the Iron <laughs> Sheik won WrestleMania or something. That's all right. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing it up. There was a video going around of it from an American gym where I think Wales had scored an equaliser against America and half of the guys had no idea what it meant. Oh, right. He's like, I had to explain to everyone that that meant that we weren't winning. <laughs> Um, Sorry, you love it. it's it's that time where everyone has these ridiculous expectations of their country it's like i mean you made that great stat of the disparity between france's payroll yeah and mbappe what a magnificent player to watch oh, he was such, oh, so good to watch in that game yeah. like i'm a convert he was brilliant 
But all these Aussie fans disappointed. It's like, guys, like France are bloody good. There is no shame losing to France. But the Yankees as well, they're like, oh, we can't, you can't do better than draw against Wales, this nation of a couple, a handful of million people. But no, you can't win at all, America. Yes, you have a lot of people. And you're good at a lot of things. Yeah, but you can't be the best in No, no, you can't expect to beat everyone. Yeah. But anyway, we all get carried away with it. I've seen that. The Aussie fans do it too. Oh, of course. And everyone pretending to be experts. Like I Again, I'm a casual fan at best, not even. I'm not even going to pretend to be an expert. I'm just talking about what I've seen and heard. Yeah. But yeah. Now, the other one, just quickly as well, Japan beating Germany 2-1. That was a, a yes. shocker, a couple yeah. of late goals in that one as well. So, yeah, there, there certainly have been some results. There have been some ones that have gone as expected. I think England, what did they put, six past Iran? I yeah, think, in the first yeah. Game. Really good highlights too. Some really nice, yeah, they're yeah. looking good. Spain put seven past Costa Rica. Wow. <laughs> I saw one of the best posts on Twitter about that. Someone posted a picture of the score at 7 nothing and said, and the extra point is good. Yes, I saw that too last <laughs> night. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, so there's been a, a lot of really good stuff on the pitch. And I, to be honest, I don't think that was what we were ever worried about. I think the on-the-field yeah, stuff, yeah. I think we were just purely expecting, you know, once you're on the pitch, football's going to take over and the players are going to do what they can. And look, we saw, was it Richarlison? I think it was from Brazil, that ridiculous bicycle kick. Cross comes in, he basically controls it to himself, puts it up, I don't know, maybe five feet above his head and then just just deposits this ridiculous bicycle kick. Goal of, goal of the tournament already. Didn't say that. Well, I'll have to go back and watch it. Oh, we'll do it now. Third umpire. Yes, well, I'm glad we paused for that one. Absolutely sublime, wasn't it? Fantastic. Yeah. And the goal picked the right direction, like, but he still got it past him. No one was saving that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Magnificent. God himself would have struggled. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a really, really great start. Now, before we get to the stuff that we're worried about, the off-pitch stuff, one more on-pitch thing. Cristiano Ronaldo became the first male to score a goal in five different World Cups, which is just otherworldly. And when you think about it as a soccer player, you know, there's not many of them that go on this late. I mean, he's turning 38 in Feb, so he's really in the twilight of his career. Yeah, I was talking to a gentleman about it at work the other day. We're sort of talking about guys like Ryan Giggs who played into their 40s, but it doesn't happen that often nowadays. Most guys are sort of done by their mid-30s. So the fact he's still going at that level. And one thing to play into your 40s, but another thing entirely to still make your national team. Yes, to be good. Exactly. He joins Marta Vieira da Silva as the only players to have done it. She's done it in the women's already. So, yeah, a man and a woman have now done it in five different World Cups. Magnificent. I have a feeling that that's not her entire name. Because Brazilians typically have about 73 surnames. Well, she's kind of known just as Marta, isn't she? Yes. So, yeah, yeah. yeah and sure. hey, if you can score a goal in five different World Cups, you can get the single name yeah. status. Call me whatever the hell you want. Like, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Now, off-field stuff. No rainbows allowed. No rainbows. No, this yeah. is the thing. I, it's There's been a whole bunch of this. Obviously, as, as we've mentioned, the, the LBGTQIA plus community has been completely shunned, basically, from this World Cup. I think a number of people have had some sort of tribute to that kind of push to the side. No, you can't wear wristbands. You can't wear arm guards, whatever it happens to be. You can't even have a thing that says love. Hmm. Oh, heaven forbid you have a word that says love. Tolerate. Yeah. yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very disappointing. And look, we shouldn't be surprised, obviously. We're not. Yeah. yeah, Qatar is a nation where homosexuality or basically anything other than heterosexuality is frowned upon. And going back to our conversation with Bo last week, I, I think he's right. If you'd met people there, they'd be great people and you'd have Absolutely. a great time with them. It's not anything against the entire people. No. 
it's the authorities and the heavy-handed. And to use an appropriate metaphor, they've moved the goalposts. They moved the goalposts on Budweiser and the beer, and they've moved the goalposts on some of this stuff too. That they said things, certain things would be accepted, and now they've backpedaled. Yeah. Um. There was that live footage. Did you say that live footage of this guy was just? There was a reporter. I think he was from Belgium or something. And they threatened to destroy his camera. He's like, okay, yeah, destroy the camera. It's like going out live to the world. He's like, we have a press pass. We are allowed to shoot here. No, 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 you must, like, yeah, not good. Mm, it's not. So there's been a lot of that heavy-handed sort of stuff. And that's definitely not the only time that's occurred. No. And certainly not on live TV either, which is pretty disappointing. So we've spoken, I guess, in previous episodes about the hideous conditions that a lot of the people are having to sort of stay the in. The accommodation, yeah, yeah. All of that sort of stuff. But one of the things that I did see that that really kind of worried me a little bit, Serbia had just lost to Brazil and they flashed into, there was a photo, I guess, that was leaked from the dressing room. And in there, there was a picture of a flag that had the map of Kosovo on there with a slogan on it that said, there will be no surrender, which is really, really dodgy. Didn't hear about that one, yeah. Yeah, there was, I mean, there's obviously been a, a lot of history with Serbia, Kosovo, Kosovo kind of claimed independence. Serbia's never really recognised it. The refugees and everything. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are up in arms about that. The, the Kosovo prime minister apparently is not happy, which mm. understandable, I guess. So there's been a lot of that stuff going on. Yeah, it's meant to bring people together, these events, mm. but uh, can cause a bit of problem too. Did you see the video of that guy? I think it was a guy wearing like a Sweden jersey or something, and he was standing up in the middle of a crowd of Qataris, basically rubbing his hands together like money. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. That's a dangerous, dangerous play. Like, regardless of the fact that everyone basically knows that this was bought, just don't mess with it. Like, well, and I saw a woman flash her breast too on a video on Twitter. Oh. And all the fans are like, oh. and you can see her friends behind her going, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. And I think someone kind of snidely made some comment of like, you know, this is the last video you'll see of this woman. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, that's yeah. it. Do you just want to quickly talk about the crowd issue? <laughs> the crowds that are so big that the numbers are bigger than the stadium's hold. Yeah, so Senegal and the Netherlands, I think that was the game that was was really highlighted where they said there was a crowd of 41,721 in a 40,000 capacity stadium. But there's pictures of the stands that are basically half full. Yeah. Because everyone in the not toilet... Not fooling anyone, yeah. Everyone's in the toilet <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Well, they're not buying a beer, <laughs> that's for sure, right? <laughs> I've gone to get me hot dog. <laughs> yeah. You want no. to get a glass of water? Yeah. Yeah. And sit outside quietly. It's... Well, no one's sitting outside because it's too hot. Yeah, you true. see in that communal kind of... And those are graded events when they set up a bit. Or Fed Square in Melbourne, for example. Did you see the Socceroos fans going nuts at Fed Square, that I footage? Did, yeah. Yeah, they would have... Uh, did you see the French... Come back down to did, earth did, pretty quick. Did you see the French supporters basically egging them on after the after they went ahead? Standing there with their French flag? Yeah, like, well, as you would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. anyway... <laughs> Just one last little thing I did want to talk about that was quite funny. Did you see the South Koreans starting lineup against Uruguay the other day? Uh, lots of Kims. Kim, 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 Kim. Yeah. So their goalkeeper and all four of their defenders had the surname Kim and they had two Huangs as well. So Yes, I saw the whole team sheet. There was about three different names across an entire team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take that, Ross County Rosses. <laughs> Good throwback. Oh, what episode is that? That's going back a long oh, way. That's a long way. Yeah, yeah. But yes, the South Korean Kims. So, Shui, we're looking forward to going to day one of the West Indies versus Australia test at the Perth Stadium on Wednesday. That'll be good yeah, fun. fucking Wednesday. What's that about? Yeah, so days four and five are Saturday, Sunday. They won't even play. Exactly. Yeah. What the hell are Cricket Australia doing? That's really poor scheduling. Yep. 
I was looking forward to going on Friday and then I realized it'd be day three and thought, ooh, might have, yeah, might have, Friday might have been okay, but yeah. Might have get half a day. Yeah, so. no, it's just really crazy to have the weekend, just waste a weekend. It's yeah. really crazy. But looking forward to the game, it'll be my dad and my father-in-law's first experience of the arena, which I'm looking oh, forward to. They've never been. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it'll be really nice to see that. We've oh, got, cool. We've got... Well, we had our pick of seats, really, let's be honest. Uh, yes. So, I can't imagine there'll be too many people no. there on a weekday, but uh, yeah. So we'll hear the, the, the proper sound of ball on bat. Oh, really looking forward to seeing some test cricket live. Absolutely. Yeah, because we've been starved of it. Mm. Like my my girlfriend and her parents, we had front row seats to the Ashes match that never ended up happening because of COVID. So yeah, can't wait. Can't mm. wait. So we've obviously just had the end of the Australia-England, the, the three ODI series, which was... Afterthought, of, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was meant to have been played, I guess, with some T20s, but there was all a bunch of scheduling stuff because of the T20 World Cup and a few other bits and pieces. And I don't know if there's really much to take out of the series. Uh, it probably just reconfirms what we already knew. England are resting blokes. Australia are a better 50-over team than they are a 20-over team. Probably not a hell of a lot to glean no. from it. Uh, well, actually, for me, so I have no problems with Travis Head being in the team. I didn't know if he should open. He showed that he probably should open. Happy with it now, yeah. So, so yeah, that seems to be his spot. Him and Warner batted together really well. That's probably the big takeaway for me. And it's look, it's not the first time they batted together, but that might be how our World Cup opening lineup will look. Yep. And that that hopefully will be very good. Yeah, yeah. really good takeaway. I mean, on the flip side, England were incredibly poor for the most part. They were decent in the first game. Milan, obviously the big ton, kind of kept them in it. But aside from that, yeah, they weren't attacking enough. They leaked runs. They just, they weren't the England we were expecting. So it's not a great reflection, I guess, on them. And, and Joss Butler came out and said that he didn't really care about the results. It was more just about getting the games yeah yeah it's the timing it's the the t20 world cup hangover it's a bunch of things and you've got a team getting ready to play tests as well it's it's not great yeah one interesting thing that did come out of it though new zealand do jump up to number one in the world rankings ahead of england ah okay yeah yep they're currently going through a series with india as we mentioned they are yeah jeez New Zealand have won their last five ODIs against India. Conway's gone, all right. He's a bloody good player. He is. He is. is. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. But one of the things I did want to run through, there was a really, really interesting quote from Joss Butler, and I know that you will agree with this entirely. I I want to kind of run through it. It's a pretty big quote, so bear with me. Far away. But I think you'll, uh, you'll absolutely appreciate this. So Butler has said, quote, the landscape of cricket has changed dramatically over the last few years, and we're in a different time. Lots of people are talking about how you keep bilateral cricket relevant, and I think this series is a good example of how probably not to do it. I think one of the biggest things is having overlapping series. We've got a group of players preparing for a test series that shortly starts in Pakistan, and we've got a team playing here at the same time. In the new year, a test match in New Zealand finishes one day, and an ODI series starts the very next day in Bangladesh. I feel a bit for the players, to be honest, the ones who are young and coming into the game at the moment. You want to play all formats, and I don't think the schedule really gives you that chance at the minute. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? So back in the day, one of the kind of innovative things were for teams to start to go, oh, actually, maybe our ODI team shouldn't be a replica of the test team. And then as time went on, oh, maybe our T20 team isn't a replica of the ODI team. Now it's out of necessity. Now you have situations where you have an ODI, like you said, you'll have one tour, you'll have two different formats touring almost simultaneously. So you do, whether you like it or not you almost need different teams for different formats. It's too much. 
The calendar is so crowded. Why the fuck do we have a T20 World Cup every second year? We had so obviously we had COVID. You're right. I was going to tee off. So we had COVID affected. So so what we're going to have is 21, 22, 23, 50 over World Cup, and then 24. So we're going to have three out of four years with a T20 World Cup. It's too much. Yeah. And look, it's it's clear as day. The ODI is going to go the way of the dodo bird. It's only a matter of time. I don't know if we have a country for the one after the next one in India, but I'll tell you what, I'll be surprised if we have more than two more 50 over World Cups. And it breaks my heart because I prefer it. And I know the 2020 game is really important and we've seen some great things. We've seen teams like Afghanistan. We've seen Zimbabwe have a bit of a renaissance after the 90s when they were more competitive. They had a bit of a lull. So I don't want to discount what the T20 game has done for world cricket. It's done a lot. But ODIs are really on life support. I've talked about death of a thousand cuts. They're the obvious thing to go. And I don't know. I don't think we need a T20 World Cup every two years, particularly when there is so much T20 being played all around the world. If you're a T20 aficionado, you don't need to, like, you can watch the IPL every year. You can watch the Big Bash. You can watch, they're just, there's more and more popping up. You can watch it in the UAE, for Christ's sake. Yep. Yeah, I, I think he's spot on. And I'm glad, I, I like that he spoke with that openness because often players are afraid of telling it how it is. But I but I respect Butler. I think he's spot on. And it's interesting because you look at it, there's the absolutely perfect blueprint for it with the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games. Yes. Every second year, you've got one or the other. You don't need to have it every single year. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're Absolutely. right. That works well. That, yeah. that works well. It allows you to play other series in the meantime. But and it allows you to prepare. It's difficult. It's doing a disservice to everyone yeah. and to formats, to players, to fans. Yep. It's killing the goose that laid the golden egg. It, it is. It really is. And look, let's be honest. If you look at the lay of the land, the scheduling of cricket is it's dreadful. You've got Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Zimbabwe in the Southern Hemisphere. The, the weather is going to be good in those four countries for the most part towards the end of the year, early in the year. Then you've got places like England and the West Indies who are in the Northern Hemisphere. We know England, the weather can be shot any time of the year. But well, it can be in Melbourne. Or let's exactly, face it. exactly. But for yeah. the most part, in the summer months, it's going to be pretty good. The West Indies is pretty decent all year round. Then you've got all those equatorial sort of places, you know, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan. You should be able to come up with a schedule where you can rotate through and teams that are in the Southern Hemisphere can play in the Northern, play in you know, the equator areas. It's just... There's, there has to be an easier way to do this than what they're doing. And as you say, the you know that, that sort of cut over where you can't play in the test side because you're playing in an ODI series on the other side of the world. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's a real shame because you might be good enough for both and you might say, oh, okay, well, I want to be in the World Cup, so I'll play in the ODI side, but I really want to play tests. So it's, it's, it's a shame. It really is. Yeah. And, and we've seen that Australia, we love our cricket here. And there's that famous adage of the Australian test captain is more important than the prime minister. We do love our cricket, but we also have pretty fixed ideas about when things should happen. And October proved to be too early, yep. not just because of the weather, also because of the way people saw things. And we've also seen the big bash lose interest over the last couple of years. There's just too much. Something's got to give. And that's a perfect, perfect segue into another thing I wanted to talk about. Liam Livingston. Yes, okay. So the news has come out that Livingston has been called up for the English test side. And as a result of that, his increased workload, as he's put it, means that he's withdrawn entirely from the BBL. 
He is a massive draw card. We know what he can do. He's a guy who can score 80 off 35 balls. And well, we- that draft was already a farce, wasn't it? It's even more farcical now. And that's why some teams avoided drafting big names. They were worried about, yeah, yep. joke. And so now the Renegades lose their number one draft pick. They've got, I think Dwayne Russell's going to come in for the first four games or something, and that's all he can play. And so this team misses out because of what is essentially a fucked up schedule. Yeah, it is. So, you know, these obviously the the different nations do need to work around it. The BBL is going to be running every year, the same as the Caribbean, same as the IPL, et cetera, et cetera. The obvious fix, just have the T20 World Cup every four years. It does not need to be every two years. Correct. I understand in the early days, if they want to pump up the tires on it and gain a following, there is a following now. (laughs) T20 is played in more places than other formats. We don't need it every two years. Yeah. Now, just quickly to round out the cricket now, did you see that crazy scorecard from the VJ Hazari Trophy? Oh, yeah. I saw our friend was talking about it on our little group chat, sport group chat, yeah. Yeah. So Tamil Nadu's Sai Sudarsan and Narayan Jagadisan put on 416 for the first wicket <laughs> as part of their two for 506 off 50 overs. Jagadisan top scored with 277 off just 141 balls, 25 fours and 15 sixes. In reply... Arunachal Pradesh bowled out for 71. Oh, it's computer game stuff, isn't it? You had Mani Mara and Siddharth take five for 12 off 7.4 overs in a 435 run victory. Like, obviously, a massive mismatching. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that college football team uh, game you talked about last The Canadian one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Toronto. Uh, I mean, it's still insane, though. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. To be hitting that cleanly over. The best part of 50 overs, really, for these two guys. I mean, it's a it's tough. Quite an accomplishment. It really is. All right, Stuart, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, look, another week, another load of really interesting sports stories. Always is. Always is. This is. Some really great stuff out of the cricket. Obviously, the Aussies dominating England, but Joss Butler with one of the quotes of the year. Yeah, full on. Agree. And obviously, a lot of interesting stuff, I guess, going on in Qatar at the moment with the FIFA World Cup on and off the field. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to, Stuart. Going down to the pub to watch Australia's next match straight after we record our next episode. Keep an eye out for that. And we'll be going to the first day of the next test. Well, the first test. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.